Welcome everyone who's actually watching online right now. Oh, you can do better than that. <laughs> we had somebody who was snowed in who commented on Facebook if, and they were in the Midwest and they said, due to inclement weather, I'm going to have to join V1 Church for a Sunday. And we said, come on with it. Join this big dysfunctional family. Uh, it's, and, and so we want to welcome you. I'm the lead pastor. My name is Mike Signorelli. And my wife was that, I'd say she's hot. I can say that. You can't say that. Uh, that hot worship leader. <laughs> I love when you sing those worship songs, girl. You know, when we were, when I first, I had this, I shouldn't even, I, <laughs> I really liked, when I was in like my late teens, early 20s, I really just had in my mind, I need a curly haired woman. And, and when I met Julie for the first time, I was actually playing a concert and I, I was like looking down in this crowd and I saw this curly hair floating around and I was like, that's my boo kitty right there. She don't know it. I know it. She don't know it. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I'm going to start with a joke. This one flopped so hard on in the first service. Like I'm so bad at this, but I want to try it because um, Joel Osteen doesn't. He fills stadiums. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, we're gonna, it's, it's gonna get so heavy in this room. I try to front load it with all these feel goods that will sustain you through all the proverbial stab wounds of the word. Um, but Bob, this man named Bob was in trouble. Uh, Bob was a terrible husband like most of us. Let's just get real. And he made the mistake of remembering all of his favorite statistics of his NFL teams, but forgetting his anniversary date. I don't know if you know Bob or you got a friend like Bob. Anyone? Bob's right now, Bob's feeling some shame. So his wife, just in a moment of rage, said, listen, Bob, I am so upset with you. The only way you can make this right is tomorrow morning in our driveway. Better be something that can go from zero to 206 seconds. And if, if that ain't the case tomorrow, you can just pack your bags and stay gone because I'm ticked off. So the next morning she woke up and she went to go look in the driveway. Bob was already gone for work. And uh, to her amazement, there was a box in the driveway. Uh, wasn't a car like she was thinking. So she took this box back to the house and she opened it up. And uh, when she opened it up, she actually discovered that Bob had bought her a scale. <laughs> Bob has still not been found <laughs> from this day. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to talk about sex, baby. We're going to talk about you and me. You guys don't know that one, do you? <laughs> you don't know that. Those kids with their dirty songs. Don't make me sing your songs. <laughs> See, this is already fun and you haven't even learned anything yet. Um, this message today is somebody just tucked and rolled. They left. All right. See ya. Um, this title, this message today is worth the work, worth the work. 
And uh, the, the, the message series that we're in is called No Strings Attached, NSA. And all the freaks who are here today were like, I cannot believe I saw that on a church bulletin. Um, I only do that in my browser. <laughs> it's that church. <laughs> you know, there's this conversation that we have with culture. And as a pastor, I always have to make a decision about whether or not I want to enter that discourse. And I felt like this month was the month to enter that discourse. So I want to define for you no strings attached. For those of you who still have no idea what it means, it's nasty. It is nasty. Um, but it's more than that. This is the definition that was given to us by the source of all accurate definitions on the web, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> So Urban Dictionary defines no strings attached as free of conditions, restrictions, cost, or any other obstacles, no strings attached. And there are people in this room who have been conditioned by culture to believe that these things actually exist, that you can have a relationship, NSA, no strings attached. But we are going there today uh, because actually no strings attached is not even possible. How many of you have ever been at a wedding and you've cried at a wedding? I'm the one doing the weddings and I cry doing the weddings. For real, it's pitiful. Like almost 100% of the pictures, if I do your wedding, are going to be me like this. It's that face. Slightly different than my normal one. But here's why, because if the definition of no strings attached is free of conditions, restrictions, costs, or any other obstacles, even though there's an Ashton Kutcher movie named No Strings Attached, even though there's an NSYNC album entitled No Strings Attached, even though culture has tried to convince us that you can have this kind of relationship deep in your being, deep on a, on a genetic level, you know that the real relationships, the ones that make you cry, are when two people face each other and they say, not only do I want the strings and I want the chain, I want, I want to be flesh of flesh, bone of bone, for richer or for poorer, sickness or in health, I'm giving you all of me. And then the person reciprocates and says, I'm giving you all of me. And there's something about that level of commitment that just provokes tears. And, and so we're going to learn a little bit about relationships. But the single people at this point are probably clocking out. But I want to tell you, this thing is not about marriage. This thing is about relationships. So we're coming for you too, single people. We got a couple. Let's go back to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two is really where you have the beginning of relationship. And the first relationship in scripture, believe it or not, was not Adam and Eve, because that's probably what you're thinking. It was actually God and this creation he called Adam, the first man. And then out of that, now back up in Genesis chapter one, you've got God creating these things in succession. And each time he creates something, he sort of steps back and scripture records that he says, he articulates the words, it is good. I made it, it's good. I made it, it's good. Then all of a sudden in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, that's going to be our first passage. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Any man can say amen. amen. I will make a helper suitable for him to do the dishes, to vacuum, to do the laundry, to do. <laughs> Someone's like, I knew this church had bad theology. And then somebody else said, I knew that pastor was preaching some good word. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. In other words, it is not God. God said it is not good for man to be no strings attached. It's not good. And, and let me just back up and define this before we go in. So for the women, for our liberated women who are breaking the glass ceiling right now. Can yeah. Mm hmm. Pastor Julie's actually going to preach the, the anchor, the last message to close this thing down. And y'all ain't ready for that if you think I'm crazy. So anyways, um, it's the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay. So when you go back to the original Hebrew for helper, do you know that it is much more often used as a, a word to describe God's relationship with his people than it is Adam's relationship with Eve? It says, so when it's used this way, it does not refer to God as our coworker, our employee, or our slave, but God is our ultimate companion who brings things to the relationship that we couldn't bring on our own. So now let me read that scripture again, liberated women. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make someone who can bring something into his deadbeat life that he couldn't bring on his own. <laughs> And you know, there's this relationship, helper, companion, and there are three things that we see in the book of Genesis chapter two specifically that give us this insight into the way that we need to uh, have a completeness to our life. So number one is we need a relationship with God. I, I mean, here's the thing about it. As we were entering in worship and you became more aware of his presence, there started to be a calm over many of you that you have not felt in other atmospheres of your life. And what that was indicating to you is that your relationship with God is in fact a necessity and not a bonus. It's not like something cool to say like, oh yeah, I kind of know this guy named God. It's got to be this intimate daily dialogue. Number one. Number two, you need a div divine assignment. You need a purpose. You know, the, the greatest tragedy is not death. It is life without purpose. And so you need a purpose, a divine assignment. Adam was in fact given a divine assignment. God said, I'm going to give you dominion over the earth. In other words, I created all this stuff, but I've got a home. Heaven is my home. I made this for you. So if things start going disarray, I've given you dominion to fix it. And Christians still forget we have dominion because we try to pray all of our problems away instead of working hard enough to change it. Come on, nobody will shout me down on that one because we're checking in to provide school for Haitian kids, not praying somebody will do it. Man, y'all don't want this preacher. Number three is after you have a divine assignment and relationship with God, you need a companion. Even single people need a companion. And that doesn't have to necessarily be defined in the context of marriage. But it does mean you need somebody who will bring something in close proximity to your life that will cause you to go and fulfill your ultimate assignment and to be satiated and whole in a way that you won't be if you get locked in a room without windows after seven or eight days. Because we are that hardwired for relationship. But more specifically, you need a companion, not somebody who likes your stuff on Facebook, not somebody who comments those three people that always comment on your Instagram. I got my three. I love you. 
But you need companionship and, and you feel the, the intense desire for that just in the same way that God said it's not good. At times in our life, we will say, God, I'm preaching, doing the thing that I thought was good. I've got a relationship with you. It's good, but something's still not good. And he said, you need a Julie. And I said, no, I don't. I don't. She ain't even like me. So we're going to go through three lies today that I believe that God is going to completely dismantle in your life if you'll let him through the foolishness of preaching. And you can write this one down if you want. But lie number one that we're going to deal with is the lie that love is an emotional compunction that you feel. You all remember this song? Can you feel? The Come on, where are you at, Christina? <laughs> <laughs> we have been taught by Disney that love is something that you feel in your feels, in your feelers, in your feelings. And you just stand next to that person. You go, I am feeling the love. And you do it in that creepy Batman voice, right? But we have learned to, to associate love with feelings so much that we've actually made the mistake of making love the foundation for our marriage. And if you make love the foundation for your marriage, you will end up divorced 100% of the time. Because the truth is, love, and you can write this one down, you can live by it, because this is what I'm living off of, love is an act of the will. It's the only way I can explain to you that God would demand that if you become a Christ follower, that you love your enemies because you will never feel like loving your enemies. But if love, therefore, is not a chemical because, you know, emotions are chemicals, right? I can make you feel a whole bunch of stuff with the right chemicals. But when you define love as an act of the will, you can love people you don't like. You can love people who tick you off. You come, I'm going to tell you, these single people who think that marriage is going to fix your whole life, your own spouse is going to be your enemy at least twice a week. That's real talk. You think you got enemies now, Italian Long Islander? Your spouse is going to be worse than all of them. And then when the Bible says, love your enemies, you'll be like, he got me again. <laughs> Love is an act of the will. And stupid Mike did not know that I am only mildly stupid Mike now. And before I die, I will be mediocre Mike. <laughs> right now, I am mildly stupid Mike. We get married because we say we are in love. Right? But see what happens, and if you've experienced a divorce, and this is not an environment of condemnation, and I don't want you to feel that at all, um, but if you've experienced a divorce, you know, love got you down that aisle, but you actually encountered some things in your relationship, whether it be infidelity, whether it be extreme anger, abuse, that was stronger than that love. And, and so love wasn't enough to get you through to the other side. And again, there's no condemnation there, but you know, you don't get married because you love someone. I love airplanes, okay? But I don't know how to pilot an airplane. You can love something that you don't know how to operate. Amen. And so when we go through, some of you are like, I am definitely not getting my marriage counseling here. <laughs> the problem isn't love, because some of you are like, well, what is the solution, preacher? It's knowledge. 
And I got a scripture to back that up. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom that though it costs all that you have, get understanding. It doesn't say, oh, your, your marriage is going through some issues right now. Go, get, go and get yourself more love. And then the men are like, good, because I love making love. You know, you can't make love by making love because you can make a feeling by trying to make love. You can make a baby making love, but you can't make love by making love because love's not a feeling that you can produce. It is an act of your will. And it says, though it costs all that you have, get what? Understanding. Wisdom is supreme. So in all you're getting, don't go out there and try to get more love, get more understanding. You're going to need to understand communication skills to have good relationships. You're going to need to understand how to handle anger. You're going to need to understand how, how to deal with fractured trust. You know, let me just tell you, when I first got married, like I was born, you probably can tell by now, but I was born and raised in the, the lower socioeconomic strata of this country, AKA the trailer park. And I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comforter for the duration of my life. It was given to me as a child and they said, this will carry you through to 18, son. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I, I'm getting married to Julie and we go out for our registry and I pick out this baller $200 down comforter. And I'm like, I cannot wait to sleep in this bed of feathers. And all of a sudden, on our first night in our apartment together, I pull that comforter up and, and I'm just like, I mean, I'm swimming in the feathers of this down. I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit just rushing over. And Julie takes that thing and rips it off me. And I'm like, oh, it's gonna be like that, boo, okay, okay. And you know what she said? No, it ain't. We don't sleep with this comforter. This comforter is for show. Now, if you are a middle-class white person in this audience right now, you also might have a comforter for show. Where I come from, nothing's for show. <laughs> you use it all, <laughs> forever. <laughs> so I was so deeply offended, and then my initial thought was, I married the wrong person. Who would take a comforter away from me? Who does this? Now you're all laughing, but your arguments are just as stupid. And we fought and fought over that. And at some point at the height of my explosive Italian rage and anger, I said through my teeth, you will bury me in this comforter. You will roll me up like a taco and bury me in it. <laughs> That's true. And so, you know what? Julie gave me the comforter, but <laughs> but here's the thing. Let me read Hosea chapter four, verse six. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And you know, if I could go back in time, I would tell completely stupid Mike. So from mildly stupid Mike to completely stupid Mike, you idiot, let your wife have that comforter. 
You have grown in your understanding. You'll go work a side job and hustle and buy a second comforter if that's what she wants. Learn how to serve your wife, you idiot. You are dying on the wrong hill, son. That's what, if I could go back and mentor myself, I'd be like, no, Mike, you're an idiot. Cause not everyone's destined to sleep with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comforter their entire life. And just because you went through what you went through doesn't mean your wounds has to become your arguments. And I grew and I became a servant to my wife and my people, God was saying this through the prophet Hosea. He said, my people are actually destroyed, not for the lack of love. He said, for the lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. And, and what that actually says, because people are like, oh man, that's Old Testament God. Look how mean he is. You know what he's actually saying? Because you rejected knowledge, that's an implicit way of saying knowledge was always available. The solution to the problems in your marriage was in that book the pastor gave you, you never read. And so the judgment that's coming upon you is because you accepted ignorance, even though I offered you knowledge. And this is the next lie that we're going to look at right now. And I just feel this freedom in the room today. The lie that relationships exist to serve me. Here's the truth, and you can write this one down. You can get this one tattooed on your arm so you can read it next to where your name is. <laughs> Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. This is just a universal law you can all live by. So if you're single and you're like, he talked about marriage and I don't even want to be married, then let me talk about selfishness. Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. When you can take your singleness and put it into the realm of selflessness, you can become Mother Teresa. You can turn into a legend. When you can take your marriage and become selfless in that marriage, not only will you restore your relationship with Julie, but you'll begin to counsel and restore other people's relationship because selfishness cause, causes an explosion of healing all around you because it's God's destiny for how we should function. Romans chapter 13 verse eight says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing, everyone say continuing, the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Here's the, the bad news for some of us who like to be selfish with our love. According to Jesus, he said, you have a continuing debt to love each other. You'll never pay that tab. It's just like that electric bill that shows up every month. The law of love says it's an act of your will. I don't know about you. If there's any freak of nature in here who loves to pay bills, can we please talk after service? But for the rest of us, we're never going to feel like paying our debt. We're never going to feel like doing it. But we know if we have integrity and we have character, we're going to pay the tab. And so if you want to rise up and be counted among one of these cross, these Christ followers, you got a raw deal. The raw deal, the catch is that you have this never ending, continuing debt to love each other. And, and this is the deepest revelation of why some of you cannot do that. Are you ready? Because up until this moment, before you hear what I'm about to tell you, you are convinced that you are the beginning and the end of justice and vengeance. So you're like, but wait a second, if I don't gossip about my ex, if I don't talk crap about them, if I don't convince the world that they're a horrible person, who's going to do it? Because they really are. That's my job. 
I can't possibly go give any love and align my will with that scripture because, you know, well, but if I don't withhold my love and affection from my spouse, who's going to let them know that what they're doing is wrong? How are they going to know that they're not doing right if I don't treat them wrong? Here's what happens if you're a true Christ believer, and this is where faith happens. You say, my job is to love God's job is to vengeance and to be a God of justice. And when you truly begin to believe that and you truly begin to say, God, you're not letting anyone get away with it in your grace and your mercy. I pray that you would overwhelm them with your spirit, too, so they can come into the fullness of what I know now. But you're you've got to ultimately understand that no strings attached means that there are going to be conditions, there are going to be restrictions, and there are going to be some things that you've got to deal with. The last lie is this. We're going to look at this together and close this thing out. The last lie that some of you in this place have believed is that your past mistakes determine your future happiness. The truth is that God wants to refurbish your future. You know, recently, I, I, this laptop, I use it every single week to preach and the monitor died on it. And I'm like, man, I spent all my money to buy this laptop and the, the thing died. So I took it back to Apple and Apple, what they did is they said, you know, you are due for a refurbish. That's what we need. We're going to take it back to its destination. This where the manufacturers and we are going to replace the screen and send it back to you. And I felt like when that happened, I was thinking about some of you in this place. You've you're dealing with the failure of like broken relationships. You're dealing with the failure of relationships past. Like maybe even in this conversation, if you're anything like me, I've looked back at previous relationships, even before my wife and said, man, I didn't honor her. I didn't respect her. I, I was lo I wasn't loving with that agape love, that unconditional selfless love. I, I was really loving with Eros. I, I was loving with this other kind of this other kind of love that that just isn't quite God's standard. And it began to convict my heart. And, and there have been times, even as I've grown as a husband in the context of my, my marriage, where I've actually felt guiltier for things Julie already forgive me, forgave me for. Because I couldn't believe I was, I was, I lacked that much understanding. I couldn't believe I didn't know the things that seem so apparent to me now. But you know, it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, the whole context of a refurbish is that the, the, the defect that that thing has is not so great that it causes that item to become garbage. Do you hear what I'm saying? The defect that this computer had didn't diminish its value so greatly that Apple said, throw it in the garbage. They said, no, it's worthy of a repair. It's worth the work. And so some of you in this place are probably like, you don't understand, like my, my relationship is so damaged. My singleness, I mean, I just feel defective. Like I've messed up, I've been messed up on and I just feel like the only recourse is to just throw it away, just to throw it in the garbage. And my message to you this morning to close this thing out is that you are worth the work. God wants to refurbish your future. I said, God wants to refurbish your future. He'll take that mess, he'll take that 
that garbage. See, Julie and I, we had a lot of issues, but the total sum of all of our issues wasn't enough to God, for God to determine useless. It wasn't enough. God said, no, I'm going to get you in a setting where you can learn now. Because just like the prophet Hosea understood that it, ignorance is generational. Even in that scripture that we looked at, he, he eventually said, he, he said, I will, even your children will, will be affected by the choices that you have made now. And some of us have just inherited through the silver screen what romance should be like. And you learn more from the internet about sex than you learn from a loving father. And you're just going through the motions. And God in his sovereignty is just saying, let me refurbish your future. Would you just stand to your feet with me? There's so much more to be said. There are many of you in this room as we close this thing out who've just been crying out to God for a purpose. And, you've, and, and maybe for a season you felt like your relationship with the person that you dated or the person that you married or, you know, it kind of, and I think that that's the thrill of relationship is this feeling of purpose. You know, it's like life is sort of like on cruise control until you meet someone new and you're like, now I have a purpose again. And you've fallen into that trap and your life has literally been on the ebb and the flow of whatever relationship that you were in. But the catch to purpose is that true purpose is defined as being the means to an end, not the end yourself. So a plunger plunges. Mouthwash kills germs that create bad breath. A plunger is not a work of art that you put on display in your bathroom for all your guests. A plunger serves a purpose. And oftentimes in our life, we don't want to serve a purpose. We want to be the purpose. We want to be loved. We don't want to love. And see, the ultimate catch to purpose is that you're going to have to be willing to be used. I mean, the plunger serves a purpose in my house, but I use it. And there are going to be some times in your marriage where you're just like, this doesn't make sense. This guy keeps doing me wrong. You know, why do I have to keep loving him? Why do I have to keep aligning my will? Well, you, that, you, you find meaning and purpose in that thing. And I believe it, that you can leverage a breakthrough if you'll just try to outserve each other. And my wife and I, we're caught up in the crazy craziest fight ever. And it's not the fight that we had in the past. It's the fight to outserve each other. And I didn't think I, I sit in marriage counseling with people and I tell them all the time, the things I'm about to tell you right now, when Julie and I were separated and we were on the verge of divorce, if somebody told me what I'm about to tell you right now, I would have slapped them in their face and walked out of the office, like physically, because I had this Johnny Cash thing going. Okay. <laughs> And I cannot believe that marriage just keeps getting better. I didn't even think it was possible for marriage to get better. I thought you just plateaued and then you fake it. And yet each year, each day, marriage gets better. And it's funny because you can go into the DMV and it takes you months of studying a book and then taking a driver's test to get your license to get a vehicle. But you could go there to get married right now and in 30 seconds walk out with that license because the government ultimately cares more about you on the road than they do in your home. 
But the crazy thing is, if you have ever lost a car or totaled a car, nothing stopped you from getting another car because you saw its role in your life, because you learned how to operate it. And so for those of you who are so broken, you'll say, I'd never be in a relationship again. Can I just tell you, don't get more love, get more learning. Because some of you in this place, that's, that's good. Because some of you in this place, by the time this series over, y'all might be getting back together. Before this thing is over, you might be renewing your vows. Before this thing is over, you might be single and celebrating it and saying, I'm not getting married. Hallelujah. Thank you for the gift of singleness. Because singleness becomes a gift when you learn how to give your life. And marriage becomes a gift when you learn how to give your life. And can I tell you, if you're going through hurt and pain right now, it's a result of your own selfishness. Learn how to pay the unending debt of love. I've never seen so many people fired up for a pure gospel, but the pure gospel is a hard thing to live by. It's a narrow road. And our, our prayer that we're going to do in that next few seconds, it won't get you into heaven. It might be the catalyst for a heart change, but the only way that you're going to be a true Christ follower is to say, God, I'm going to pick up this cross and it hurts so bad to love these people who've hurt me so bad, but I've got a never ending debt to pay because I can never pay you back for forgiving me. You you forgave me so I have to forgive them you forgave me so I have to release them you called me so I got to call them by a different name come on that's the pure gospel that's the pure gospel that's the story and if I believe that in my lowest of low he said Michael they're calling you a reprobate. They're calling you a cheater. They're calling you a drunkard. But I'm calling you a lead pastor. Rise up. Then what right do I have to withhold that from anybody else? I've got a debt I can never pay. If you're in this place and you think somebody did you wrong, I pray for a moment that you realize God's restrained anger and wrath on your life for how wrong we did him. And I wish there was another way to preach it, but that's the only way you're gonna get free. It's the only way you're gonna get free in this place. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Would you just close your eyes with me? No strings attached. Hey man, and I'll tell somebody to get divorced too. I, this is not a feel good thing. There are, there are some times where, where the most appropriate thing is for Pastor Mike to choke somebody out. There are some times we honor the complexities in this room. This was the hardest message that I ever put together. I, I wrestled with this thing all the way up until last night, all week. I just, because I understand the complexities of your life. I, I under a little bit of the complexities of your life and what it really means to speak into the lies and to give the truth. But I'm here to tell you, just while your eyes are closed, I want you to meditate on something. John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Many of you know that, but probably you don't know a few scriptures down that word love, which is agape, is actually used again. And it says that the light came into the world, but there were men who agape, they actually loved the darkness more than the light. And oftentimes as Christians, it makes a real poetic sermon to talk about agape, meaning, meaning this ruthless, selfless love that you'll give everything for. But there are people who will love that ruthlessly for darkness. 
And what God's asking you for you to do is to take that same passion, that fuego, hermanos, that same fire, and to say, I'm going to love with everything I've got. Just, just, just I took that, that passion, I put it through unforgiveness. I took that passion, I put it through anger. I'm going to put it through the lens of a holy, redeemed, agape love. I'm telling you, everything will change in your life. So with every eye closed right now, if you're in this place and so many of you here who God's been dealing with your heart since you got here, and, and we just do this just, as, it, it just, a, just a miniature step of faith. If with every eye closed, you would just raise your hand and say, I feel like I want to be restored. I want to re be restored to God. I want to be restored in relationships in my life. Just raise your hand with nobody judging you or looking around, but you're responding to this. Come on, you can put your hands down. When Adam was in the garden, before he got a divine assignment, before he got a wife, he got the only thing that really mattered first in the order of things. It was a relationship with his maker. Some of you, you have a desire. You, you really want to be married. You really want somebody to be a companion, not just a, a, a helpmate, but in the way that you want somebody who will go through life with you. Some of you guys, you want purpose so bad. You just are so tired of clocking in and clocking out. But can I tell you, if you don't do what we're about to do right now by connecting with God, those other two things will not be enough to sustain you. You see it all the time. So right now, what we're going to do is, as you raised your hands, we're just going to pray together. And, and then at the conclusion of this prayer, I believe that the angelic hosts who have been witnessing this entire service are just going to just erupt with a jubilant praise saying, God, we're bringing more home. And they're, they're going to welcome you home. And everyone in this place is going to welcome you home as you confess Christ as your Savior and say, God, I acknowledge that I need you. So would you all just help me and pray that right now? You just use my words. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you first loved me. I ask you to forgive my sins, to cleanse my heart, to renew my mind, and to help me love. I thank you that I am worth the work and the investment that you've placed in my life. And I give everything to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted, amen. Can we just put our hands together and just welcome everyone who prayed that for the very first time that God just stepped into their life. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.